Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. All right, well, it is Rooted Weekend, and if you don't know about Rooted, it is just a a way for us to do life together, and I will talk about that in a moment. Uh, But before we get to that, just one quick reminder is next weekend is what we call fall kickoff, and it's just kind of like our official... Did you lose me? Hello? Hello? There we go. All right. It's our official start date of the fall next week, and we have a big party. It's a lot of fun. And something very, very exciting is happening is we are moving to two services next week. Yes. Well, we, uh, I got to be honest, we weren't sure if we were ever going to get there again, you know, Um, but next week we start a 9 and a 1045 service, and uh, it's kind of exciting because last weekend something happened. Every seat was full last weekend in here. Yeah, every seat was full last weekend. Now, I've noticed it's a holiday weekend, and it's not quite as full uh, this weekend, which is, means you guys are the committed ones. You guys are the real Christians. I appreciate that. Um, so those of you who are watching online, you better tie double this week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, um, and so uh, we, uh, yeah, we start two services next weekend. And to be honest, it is uh, it's something that we're just very excited about um, because we just didn't know what the church was going to look like coming out of COVID. And people have been returning and getting back into uh, the mix. And we are just so excited to uh, be a part of that. So today we are talking about Rooted. I do this um, twice a year, and this is the, this is the, this is the weekend that we're going to get to do it. And so this week has been a busy week, not only because we're getting prepared for Rooted and all that, but at my house, um, we had a birthday, not my birthday, my middle son, he turned eight this, this week. Yeah, big deal. And this kid, yeah, no, you have to, it's not a big deal. Uh, and this kid, I'm, he had the best birthday, not like that he's ever had, that I've ever had before. Like this kid knows how to have birthdays. And so um, he is in this, he's in this phase where, and maybe he'll be this for the rest of his life, where he is obsessed with sports, specifically baseball. Like baseball is his life. And so he has two teams that he loves. He loves the Dodgers. I don't know where he got that from. And uh, he loves the Yankees. Okay. Those are his two teams. Yeah. I know, some of you guys are all like offended. Uh, you don't play for anybody, so <laughs> relax. Uh, and so he just, he loves, and so um, one of the things that he really wanted to do was go to a baseball game. And I said, okay, buddy, well, I happen to have a, a very close friend who is a baseball agent. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, do you guys want to go to the game together? And, you know, I'm not mentioning I'm cheap. I don't want to pay for tickets. <laughs> so uh, the Yankees are going to be in town and you have some players on the Yankees. Any way you could, you know, uh, get us in. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, of course. And so he gets us in and it was, it was a cool experience because he got to go and meet all the players, get their autographs, take pictures with them. I know, isn't that ridiculous? I'm like, you're eight, dude. Like you have, this is the peak right here. It's all downhill from the rest. Nine, you're just going to be like, what happened? My life went downhill. Yeah. And, uh, and it was really fun. We got to do all that kind of stuff. And it was just like this, this great memory. There was one part that kind of bugged me though, is when we went to check in and they were giving us like our little tags and stuff like that. Um, the guy went to Ezra and he goes, all right, here you go, little, uh, here you go, young man. And then he gives me money. He goes, here you go, middle-aged man. <laughs> what? middle-aged man. I mean, it's true, but like, I didn't want you to say it out loud. And so I told him that. I go, dude, come on, bro. Like, it's rude. And he goes, well, I see that gray coming in the beard. All right, I'm out of here. Let's go. We're done with this team. 
So anyway, it was a great week, very fun. Uh, anyway, so Rooted Weekend. Rooted Weekend, if you don't know what Rooted is, the, the idea behind it is it's a way for us to get people together to talk about faith and to do life with one another. And so it's a 10-week program, and it's going to be starting next week, okay? So the following week, I think it's next Sunday probably is that it starts. And um, we have either a Sunday session where you can come at 8.30, and if you have kids, they can do Rooted Kids or we have a Thursday at 6.30, and they're both right here on campus in the CLC. And it's just 10 weeks of meetings where we meet once a week, and then in between the meetings, we have uh, Bible reading, we have a little bit of writing, we have some prayer experiences, even a time that we serve together. And um, the reason why we love Rooted, and we've been doing it for a handful of years now, is because it has transformed our church. Like, it has dramatically changed so many lives in our church. If you were here throughout the summer, you saw many of the stories of life change that have taken place here, and a lot of that was because of our, our Rooted. And so we're going to, this weekend, we are going to try to convince you. So it's, to be honest, this is going to be less of a sermon and more of a sales pitch, all right? And I do, I'm just going to warn you up front to get you to sign up for Rooted, okay? And, and of course, of all Sundays, our website went down this morning. So um, I'll tell you how you can sign up out on the courtyard or, or you can uh, um, go and there's scans and not, we'll get you signed up. The devil ain't gonna stop you. Okay, so um, last night I gave a sermon and I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, I thought, okay, I came up with this whole idea where there's like this individualism and there's this collectivism in the garden and how we've been searching for that ever since and how we find that community in the church. And, and I got done and I went to my loving family and I said, well, what did you think? Give me your notes from the, yeah, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. I went, oh, okay, well, thank you for the constructive criticism. What should I change? everything. All right, cool. Well, we'll do a different sermon today. So I'm going to do a different sermon today. If this one isn't good, you can go back and look at last and see which one was worse. All right, and we'll just, we'll take it from there. Okay. I'm going to give you a very straightforward, um, maybe a little bit crude and unprofessional uh, three-point sermon. Are you ready? All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Three reasons why you should sign up for Rooted. Number one, you suck at being a Christian. Okay. <laughs> they didn't like last night's message, so fine. We'll go a different direction, see how this goes. Um, all right, so you suck at being a Christian. Now, uh, here's the deal, is we all do to some degree, right? We're all never, and here's the good news about being a Christian, is it's not about what you can do that, uh, that gives you salvation. It's about receiving this gift. It's a grace. It's through faith that we are saved. And so that's the good news, is there's nothing we can do to earn our forgiveness, However, it does take effort to be a Christian. Dallas Willard says it like this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. And so here's the idea is we are forgiven just by this gift of grace because of Jesus' sacrifice. However, when we receive that gift, we then begin to follow him. And following him is going to take some effort. And so some of us, if we look back on this, um, this faith journey that we've been on, there hasn't been a whole lot of progress. We've been stuck. We've been in the same place for a long time. Or some of us maybe just recently made this commitment to follow Jesus, and we're just trying to figure out, all right, well, what's next? What's the next step that I'm supposed to do? Or there's even another group who's not even sure what they believe yet. They haven't even signed up to be a Christian. They're just trying to figure out what this whole faith thing is about. And that's kind of what Rooted is, is Rooted is a way for you to take those next steps of following Jesus. And so here's what it's going to give you. First one, it's going to give you information. 
Uh, you're going to get information about the Bible, Jesus, church, and even about yourself. You're going to learn some things about yourself. So last uh, couple weeks ago, I think I was out in the garage, and I have this old pickup truck, which you guys have, have seen before, and I've been working on it forever. And, and so I've got the garage open, and I'm working on the pickup truck, and this guy's riding by in his bike, and he stops, and he goes, oh, what year is it? And so we start talking about the truck, and, and I don't remember how it came up. He kind of asked me what I did for a living, and I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And immediately the conversation went from the truck to, he said, I have questions. <laughs> Great, uh, I, I will try my best to answer your questions. And he goes, well, I've asked a lot of pastors these questions, so I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. And I said, well, let's give it a shot. And what are your questions? And so he starts asking me some questions, and, and then he asked this one question, which I thought was a good question. He said, how come the Bible is so hard to understand? Like, if God really did write the Bible, why do so many people argue about what it says? Wouldn't he just make it more clear? And I said, well, that's a really good question. And so I started to give him an answer. I said, well, there's this guy, C.S. Lewis, and he describes this thing as mere Christianity, which is like, what do all Christians believe? Like, what's at the core of their faith, no matter their denomination? Or, and, and all of those things are believed across the board. It doesn't matter if you're in a, a tribe in Africa or you're in Manhattan, you believe these things as Christians. Now, they do argue about the peripheral things, the things that are not important for salvation. And so I would say it's pretty genius of God to be able to give a book that for thousands of years, no matter where you live, you can understand the basics of the faith. And then you can be the most educated person in the entire world and still spend a lifetime trying to understand it. That seems like a pretty good book, don't you think? And he was like, yeah, that's all right. Anyway, so what's that? I'm like, all right. So I think about someone like that, and I think, you know, you need to get into Rooted, man, because this is where you can ask some questions, you can study the Bible, you can be around some other people who might be asking the same questions, and that's one of the things that Rooted does. It helps give us information. The second is it's a discipline. Being a Christian takes discipline. We have to read the scriptures, prayer, we have to be in community. And it is going to, at least for those 10 weeks, it's going to force you to do the disciplines that you may not normally do. So that's my number one issue. I, I'm not very disciplined when it comes to my faith. Um, I, I oftentimes am running a fast-paced life. There's so much that's going on that I just forget to go, oh, yeah, i got to slow down. i got to spend some time in the Word. I need to get in, in some prayer time because I'm just I'm moving, I'm moving, and, and you're probably like that too. And this forces me because I know that I'm going to have a group meeting the next week, and they're going to go, now, Cody, how was your time this week? What did you learn? What did you read? And I'm going to, I don't want to lie, and so I'm going to have to actually do it. And it forces me to start to, to practice those disciplines. It also gives us accountability. One of the things that I've told people over the years is, if you want to grow spiritually, here is like one of the number one things you must do. You must stay put. Like unless you're a part of a community that is practicing heresy, stay where you are. Because one of the things that we're tempted to do is to try to run to the next quick fix, the next fun thing. And we think, okay, this next insight, this next learning, this next thing that I get to be a part of, then that's going to help me with my faith. I've actually learned that the thing that's more important than any of the information that you're going to receive is the discipline of staying put, commitment, endurance. That's what's actually going to grow your faith. The people who stick around for 30 years in a community, I don't care what they study, they will be more faithful and they will have grown more than anybody who keeps jumping around to the next thing. And so this is going to give you that accountability. So if you think back to Jesus' ministry, and you look at the basics, and I try to remind myself to just kind of, okay, let's uncomplicate things. What are the things that Jesus did? What are the basics of the faith? The first thing that Jesus did is, uh, in his public ministry is he was baptized. 
He goes down to the river, and he is baptized by John the Baptist. Now, why is he doing this? The reason why he's doing this is because not that he needs forgiveness of his sins. He's perfect. It's because he wants to say, I agree with the message that John is preaching, that you need to be baptized. Now, what is he saying? What he's saying is, all of us are sinful, and we need to be cleansed of our sins. And so this, this symbolic baptism is we are dead to our old selves, and we are new and alive in Christ. So the first thing he says to all of us is he says, you must be born again. He goes around telling people this, which is very confusing if you don't have any of the background. You must be born again. What is he saying? Well, what he's saying is, and this is kind of a harsh, offensive thing, is you are so broken and so messed up and such a disaster, there's no fixing you. Like you, you can't have a self-help book or better self-esteem or some new insight that's going to make you better. That's like lipstick on a pig. It's not going to be pretty. You are so corrupt and so messed up, you can't just be remade. You have to be completely renewed. You have to become a new person. And so what he's saying here is we have to put to death this old self, this one that is corrupted with sin, the one that continues to strive for control and power and autonomy, that is self-righteous and self-seeking. And we have to surrender that old self to him. And what he does is he takes this old self, when we surrender it over to him, and he, he puts it to death. That's what the whole cross thing was about, is he goes to the cross and he takes our sin upon himself. He puts that old self to death, and in the resurrection, he gives us new life. He says, I will trade places with you and give you a new spirit. The Holy Spirit will be within you. You will become a new person. Now, it doesn't just stop there, because what's the second thing that Jesus does? He goes and he calls 12 disciples, he gets 12 guys together and he says, now we're going to do life together. In fact, he redefines what the family is and he says, this group of people, the people who follow me are more important than your very mother and father, brother and sister. He's saying here is once you have been born again, you are born into a new life and a new family. That when you become a Christian, you become a new family member. You are now a member of the family of God. Eventually he calls this family the church. Third thing he does is he starts laying out family rules. So you have a new life, you have a new family, and then he says, and here is how we do things in this family. So one of the most famous sermons of all time, probably the most famous speech of all time, is called the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. He gets up there and he starts saying, okay, um, here's what it looks like to live as a member of this family. You need to be poor in spirit. You need to mourn. You need to... It's the complete opposite of all the other communities of the world. Communities of the world are about power, are about influence, about pleasure. But Jesus comes along and he says, no, 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 no. My community, the community of God is built on holiness and our pursuit of God. We're completely different. And then he, here's what he says. This is like the overarching principle. He says this in uh, John 3, 13, 34. And now I give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So realize what he's saying here. I think we missed the context a little bit. Is he saying, okay, welcome to this new family, um, and look around and see who, who your family members are. I'm calling you to love each one of them. Now, we missed this, but these are 12 guys who didn't know each other for the most part. They, some of them are brothers, and they obviously knew each other, but the rest didn't know each other. And they come from very different places in life. So you have a couple guys, they're fishermen, blue-collared guys. And you have a couple other fishermen, but they're like the owners of like a fleet, and so they're kind of like the, the businessmen. 
And then you have this guy who's like a zealot. It means he's like a religious extremist. And then you have some, a traitor. Like he went and he turned over his people to the enemy and then continued to collect taxes on their behalf. They hated him. And so he brings them together and he goes, now I want you guys to love one, not just get along, I want you guys to love, like die for one another. Let's put this in our context. See if this makes sense. I think I've used this before. Is we have Ben Shapiro. Okay, if you don't know who Ben Shapiro is, he is a um, conservative political commentator. And then we have AOC. She's like a, a very far left. Like uh, I think she's a what is she's a, a representative. And then you have um, Elon Musk. And then you have your local plumber. There's your disciples. I want you guys to love one another. Huh? What? No, not going to do it. And you have to imagine, that would be a pretty tough community to belong with. But why would Jesus do this? Why would he invite all of these just so different people in one, into one group? Well, it's because he wants us to understand what it looks like to love. To love sacrificially. It's really easy to love people whom you agree with, who you like, who you get along with. No, no, no. He goes, no, no, no. I'll show you how to love like I love. With people that you don't necessarily agree with that may not even like you. This is how you love. And so he brings in this community of people. Now, can you imagine being a part of that, that crew today? I don't think it would go over very, very well. Here's how I know this. I've observed in the church, not our church, of course, but some churches, that we have a, uh, a very difficult time being around people who we don't agree with completely. Not only that, but we may leave a church not just because we disagree, but because they have not stated publicly the things that we believe politically. Oh, all right, here we go. Uh, let me give you an example. I had somebody walk out last night on this. We'll see how many I get today. You have been warned. Um, let's say that I got up here today, and I haven't said anything about this before, but let's say I got up here and I made this definitive statement about my belief in vaccines. Some of you guys pulled back just now. <laughs> this is good. This is going to be fun. And I said, here is the deal. And I went on and I said whatever I think. Half of you guys would be really happy. That's right. You preach it, brother. <laughs> okay. The other half would go, I'm never coming back to this church again. <laughs> Why? Because we can't, even, we can't even be around people that we don't necessarily, that we, that we disagree with. And so Jesus calls us into these communities of people whom we may not get along with. That's the way that we're going to learn to love. And then through that, we're going to be able to affect change in the world because of how we love people we don't necessarily agree with. And yet we've lost that somewhere along the way. We've become divided. We've allowed what society is doing to become completely divided and fighting amongst each other. And we've allowed that to infiltrate the church. And the church is always supposed to be the witness to the world that says, this is how you love people whom you don't necessarily agree with all the time. And so Jesus calls us into those types of communities. And so if you're looking for the ideal community where everybody gets along, where everyone's just like me, they think like me, they agree with whatever I think is correct. It's like a Christian version of Cheers or, or Friends or Saved by the Bell or something. Uh, if you're looking for that community, I promise you it's not here and it's not anywhere. You won't find it. And the joke has always been, and if you did, they wouldn't let you in. What happens is this, this ideal community that we're always looking for and we'll eventually commit to and become a part of once we find it it stands in the way of real community, of people whom we can truly do life with. 
that we can invest in, that we can wrestle with difficult topics with. Because we have these unreasonable expectations and it puts us in the, the seat of a consumer instead of a contributor. Now we become people who go, sell me on it. Tell me why I should be a part of this community. You better make me happy when I'm there. Oh, nope, it's not gonna happen. No, 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 no. We're all here to contribute to the community, not to consume the community. C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, um, if you don't know, very interesting book. He, he makes up this imaginary conversation between these two demons about how to keep them away from their faith in Christ. And here's one of the things that he says. Surely, and this is like the, from the perspective of the demon, surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. You continue to search for the ideal community. It's going to turn you into a critic, a consumer, and you're never going to fully become embedded into a community and experience change. Bonhoeffer says this, he says, just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate with ourselves. Now, I love what he has to say here, because here's what he's saying. He says, we need to be fully embedded into a community to where we can make it through this cycle of disillusionment. Here's what he means. We get in a community, we get close to people, and we realize people are a mess, like, they are not like they are pictured on Instagram. Their life is not put together. These people are a disaster. And then you quickly realize it's not just these people, it's Christians. Christians, what an absolute mess. They come here, they greet me at the front door, but I now know what's going on, and it's a disaster. And he says, now, here's the problem. You get to that phase, and that's usually where you're tempted to bail. These people are a mess. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want, I'm out of here. He says, you got to push through that because what's going to happen is you're going to make it through that and then you're going to realize, and I'm just like them. But most of us, we never make it past that. We bail and we go to try to find another community that we can plug into and we start the cycle all over again and we never realize the things that we dislike and all those people, same things that we struggle with. Maybe a variation of it, but we're messed up too. And then we can start being real with ourselves and, and with the people around us. So, um, Jesus launches the church, and he has some pretty lofty goals about this church community. He says, this is going to be the primary way in which God changes you and changes the world around you. This is it. Look around. God better show up, right? Because this is what he has chosen to use. Number two, you need better friends because most of them suck. That's why they hang out with you. Again, I, this is a rude, this is rude, okay? This is rude, I understand it's rude. I'm getting back at them. I'm sorry you have to be involved in all of this. <laughs> King Solomon had a lot to say about the types of people that we hang out with. It's said that he was the wisest man ever to live up until Jesus. Um, here's what he says in Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. So we can update this lingo a little bit. Is he says that life is like a journey and we're all heading towards a destination. So let's say we're on a road trip. And on this road trip, we have a bus and we can fill it with all the people that we want to do life with. And as we do that, we get to pick and choose who's on the bus and who's not on the bus. And what he says is, you need to make sure that the people that you put on the bus are wise. And so the first question is, who's on the bus with you? 
Who is on the bus with you? You can be intentional or unintentional, but I guarantee you somebody's on the bus with you. So as you look around your world, I want you to imagine who's on the bus with you. Who are you traveling with? Are those people wise people? Because they're going to influence you, whether you like it or not. So if you think about some of your biggest successes in life, my guess is there is probably a person or a handful of people that are at the center of it. Maybe they helped you in your marriage or in your finances, in your career. Whatever it is, they influenced you. And so people are going to determine really how well we do in life, the people we surround ourselves with. And so he says, surround yourself with wise people. Amy and I have worked really hard at this for the last 10 years. We got intentional about this because we realized we're just kind of floating along, seeing who comes along, and we'll invest in whoever comes. And we said, no, if we're going to become who we want to be and raise the family that we want, we need to be journeying with other people that we think are wise in these areas. And I got to be honest, it's difficult for many reasons. It's difficult for me because I'm an introvert. It's difficult for them because they have to be friends with me. Like, and I'm not an easy person to be friends with, I got to be honest. And so it's tough, but we have committed to this and we've spent an enormous amount of time and energy trying to get the right people on the bus. Now, real quick, who are these right people that he talks about? Well, I think it kind of depends on the, the journey. Where do you think the journey is headed? What's the destination? So as a Christian, I believe the destination is I want a journey to become more like Jesus. That's where I'm heading in life. That's my ultimate goal. And so I'm going to find other people who are, are like me. They're journeying to, to follow Jesus, and their whole life revolves around this. But what culture says is, they say, well, the ultimate goal of the journey is really whatever you determine it to be. And so if the journey is, well, I just want to find happiness. That's what I hear from a lot. I just want to be happy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to find other people who also want to be happy and who make me happy, and then we'll just invite them onto the bus, and we'll just be partying together. Like, the image that comes to my mind for a lot of people is it's a party bus. Woo! We're not going anywhere in particular, but we're having fun while we do it. Eww! Can I tell you a really crude story really quick that's totally going to get me in trouble, but I really want to tell you? All right. You, can, you cannot write me an email about this. I got this. <laughs> I'm going to try to be subtle with this. Um, I was meeting with a friend this week, and he has a, a son. I think he's like six years old, and they rented a party bus to go and drive all their kids around in and have this fun, you know, whatever experience. And, and they get on the bus, and the kids are just super excited because they didn't know that this was going to be a fireman uh, bus because it had a fire pole in the, anyway, all right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm not going any further than that. That's it. Cutting it off. Woo. Okay. Um, <laughs> for sure, you're going to get in trouble. Uh, all right, here's the scene that comes to my mind when people are picking friends, oftentimes on the party bus, is the scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're driving along, greatest comedy movie of all time, they're driving along and they see people who are hitchhiking and they go, pick them up. That's kind of how we do life is, yeah, pick them up, let's go. Not very selective, mostly just along for the fun ride. But here's the deal, is the way that we should determine who we're doing life with is about direction, not disposition. Direction, not disposition. And so the, the image that I like to, to give is this. Let's imagine that I have someone who is standing in front of me, and this is oftentimes the way that I determine who I'm going to be friends with and who I'm not going to be friends with. 
They look at me, I look at them. Oh, you're funny. No, you're funny. You dress like me. We live by each other. Our kids are the same age. <laughs> right? And this is how we do, this is how we choose who we're doing life with. That's disposition. That's not a good way. What we should do is I should find out, okay, now who is heading in the same direction as me? So instead of it's face to face, it's more shoulder to shoulder. And I look and I see, okay, are we heading in the same direction? Because if we are, I want to partner with you as we head in that direction. See, that's going to help you choose a lot better friends. It's going to help you decide who you want to surround yourself with. Okay, I'm out of time. So let me get you to number three. Um, not everything is about you. Okay. Do you think that Jesus needed 12 more friends? No. You think he needed all that drama? Uh-uh. But he did it. Why? Because it wasn't about him. The whole core of our faith is it's not about you. As Jesus came, he dies on your behalf, he didn't do it for himself. And so some of us, we need to remember that because I, I can have the attitude where I come and I go, I don't need to do Rooted. I already know the curriculum. I've got plenty of friends and I don't have extra time. I don't need to do it. Or I've done it before. I would say to people like myself is, it's not about you. The reason why I'm, so I'm gonna do Rooted this session. I'm doing a 1.0 group, very excited about. The reason I'm doing it is not because I don't know the stories. It's because there's some people in there whom I need influence. People have influenced me. They've discipled me and continued to do so. And so my responsibility is to turn then and to disciple some other people, to, to encourage them, to support them, to give them whatever information and knowledge that I've gained over the years. That's my job. And so I'm going to jump back in. And so some of us, we may need to decide the same thing is I don't necessarily feel like I need it, but people may, may need me to be in it for them. So this week... I uh, went to back to school at night, and they had this meeting where they were discussing um, the big field trip for the year for the fourth graders, and my daughter is really excited, and she wants to go, and they hand out the paper, and as they hand out the paper, it says the price at the bottom, and I thought, unless you're staying at the Four Seasons, I don't under I'm confused. Like, I am not. No, it's not happening. I like your mother. I'll take her out. Not, you're not going. You know, like, I'm just, I'm not interested. <laughs> And so for the next hour, I'm sitting there, and I'm not really paying attention because in my mind, I've already decided she's not going. It's not happening. And then we get to the very last five minutes of this presentation, and one of the parents raises their hand and says, how many kids usually do not go on this trip? And the lady goes, well, over the last 30 years at this school, one or two. Come on. For real? Now I have to go. And now she, then she starts explaining, well, it's one of those things that helps the kids really bond with another. The parents get to know each other. And it's just a, like the highlight of their elementary school experience. It's just a profound memory that they have. Cool. I guess we're going. Yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like Rooted is one of those things where it has transformed so many lives that it's one of those things that you, you kind of have to do if you want to move forward in your faith. So just a show of hands, how many people in here have done Rooted? How many people have had some kind of transformative experience in Rooted? You got new friends, you got new insights, you got new, yeah. So if you look around, that's a lot of people. And so it's kind of like, okay, this is one of those things that I, yeah, gosh, I'm not sure if I really want to do all the time, but I need to do it. I need to jump on it. Need, I need to be a part of it. And so uh, I received an email the other day from somebody who had been through Rooted, and they said, hey, do you have time to meet today? 
and it was a very busy day, a lot of meetings and stuff. I said, hey, man, I'm, I don't have time today. Maybe we can do a phone call tomorrow. And he responded with, I just want to stop by and give you a check. And I said, my schedule's clear. What do you, uh, when do you want to meet? Uh, <laughs> and so he stops by real quick, and, and I said, hey, just tell me your story. You know, this is the first time I was meeting. You said you've been through Rudy. Tell me your story a little bit. And he starts telling me the story of life change. And I said, would you mind just telling the rest of our church that story? And so that's how I want to end today is I ask you, you know, not to leave or anything yet, is I want you to hear Jason's story and kind of his experience. Watch this. With my parents. After that, uh, I met my second wife. Um, we did, tried to do it the right way, got married, then ended up getting pregnant and having my youngest son, Vincent. Um, and we would, we had a lot of arguments over little things. That was, you know, a real low point in my life. Um, we ended up getting divorced. Um, we still fought a lot. You know, we had joint custody of our son. I had just gotten out of school, worked for a company for about eight months, got laid off, you know, sitting outside one night and uh, just like screaming up at the heavens, you know, I, I, I need an answer. If you're real, you know, show me who you are because I can't do this on my own anymore. And, and that was the night that I had a vision. I remember like falling asleep, but not being asleep. It was almost like it happened instantaneously. All of a sudden I felt just this horrible, horrible feeling inside of me. Like, like everything that I had ever done wrong, every little lie, everything that I had done just hit me all at the same time. And then I could hear a voice and it was telling me that this is what can happen if you keep on going, if you keep on, you know, acting the way that you are. And, and then it, you know, jumped, like woke up out of bed, like startled awake, like was that, did that really just happen? And I remember, you know, like sitting up in bed, you know, tears streaming down my face. And I, I, picked, I instantly picked up the phone and I called my mother. And I just left her a message saying, you know, God, God's real. This, everything's real and I'm so sorry. She was able to send a copy of that message to me and I, I still have it on my phone and every once in a while I'll turn it on and listen. Um, and I shared it in, in Rooted. Rude was scary to, to sign up for. It, it really was a step of faith, you know, knowing that I could get put together with, with anybody. Um, hoping that it was gonna be with people that were, you know, like me, <laughs> that I could get along with. And uh, it, it, it turned out to be one of the best experiences that I've ever had. I remember for our testimonies, and you know, I, I brought in a speaker and I played, you know, that, that voicemail to everybody. And it, it's, it was one of those things that, you know, every, every time I hear it or even talk about it, you know, I, I tear up because it's just so powerful. You know, at the end of Ruta 1, uh, they were asking if anybody wanted to be baptized. And I said, yes, you know. I had been baptized as a child, and again, like when I was in fourth or fifth grade, but you know, because that's what everybody was doing. And this time I felt, you know, this is, this is really what Christianity is. And I, and I truly believe. And, and so I was baptized. And then after that, you know, continued coming to church and, and, and getting more involved. Um, then, you know, Rooted 2 came around and signed up for that again, uh, only to find that my fearless leader was being called aside to go and, and lead the kids. So, uh, I received, I remember I got a phone call asking if I would be interested and uh, I prayed about it and said, you know, I'm so green, you know, I, I don't know if I can do this, uh, but I ended up accepting it and, and co-led um, with another one of my, 
rooted group member is John, and, and we co-led rooted two. We all tackle it together. You know, we're all reading the same thing. We all come come back with with our ideas and share them and, and, and figure these things out. And, and that's what it's meant to be. Watching church online during COVID, you know, it, it was it was being alone. You don't have that fellowship, and, and that's what I was really missing. And and once I found that, I started to feel more comfortable. I started to feel like I was a part of the church rather than just showing up every Sunday. And I think that was the the most important change for me. Over the past year or so, there's there's been some deaths in my family. And I knew that I was going to get a little something, um, but it ended up turning out to be much more than I ever thought. A significant amount for me to where I, I knew that you know I had enough money to put a down payment on a house. And I remember that was my first thought, like, oh my gosh, I can stop renting. And then I immediately thought right afterwards was, I need to go and tithe on this. And um, I had never written a check with that many zeros on it before. <laughs> uh, and I called in and, and asked for Cody and said that I'd like to come by and, and you know, drop off a tithe check and, and just you know, say thank you for everything. When I was driving in, I had a little notification go off on my phone and it was the a notification saying that it was the fifth anniversary of me coming back to God. So, you know, nothing's coincidental. If there's anybody out there that has ever thought about joining Rooted or you know, is scared to, um, I would just say just do it. You know, who knows? It could be, you know, a situation like me where you're going in there to learn and then next thing you know, God's calling you to leave. So, yeah, don't pass up on the opportunities. It may get hard, but at the same time, I, I'm fully blessed right now, and I know that if it, all of it were to fail and, and fall apart and, and go away, that I'd still be the same person. You know, I'd still be trusting God, whether it's you know a dollar in my hand or a hundred. I'd, I'd rely on Him completely. So I, uh, when Jason came in, I asked him, hey, how did you end up coming to Seacoast anyway? And he said, well, after I had this experience with God, I went to one of my buddies and I said, hey, man, I think I'm supposed to go to church or something. He said, well, I'm an atheist, but I go to Seacoast, so maybe you can come and hang out with us. They do some good stuff there. And I thought, even the atheists are, are getting people in church. That's awesome. So fantastic. Anyway. Um, so today is the day to sign up. Um, it kind of sign up ends at midnight tonight, and we have some ways that you can sign up out on the patio. Uh, like I said, our website happened to be down, but you can go to our social media, and all the links are going to be on there and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you do it. Let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll get going. Lord God, thank you so much for this church and for everything that you are uh, doing here and all the lives that we have just seen changed over these last few years, especially as people have committed to being in community with one another. And so, Lord, I just pray for uh, this next Rooted Session that you would call all of the people who need to be there, um, that those who may be a little bit nervous or um, not really quite sure if they're ready, that they would jump in and that they would get to experience um, this community as well. And so, Lord God, we thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week. Have a great day. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.